young ladies are unusually active, Mrs. March, if I may say so. <laughs> you may indeed, Mr. Burke. It is my opinion that young girls are no different than boys in their need for exertion. Feminine weakness and fainting spells are the direct result of our confining young girls to the house bent over their needlework and restrictive courses. listening to I Saw in a Movie, an advice podcast co-hosted by your friendly cinematic pals at Movie John. I am the old sport and classic corner, Rosalie Kicks, and this is my film pal, The Red Herring, Ryan Silverstein. And each episode, we take a question from our listeners and go to the movies for the answer. So Ryan, what's shaking? Uh, lots of stuff is shaking. Um <laughs> You know, as we continue, so uh, it's been snowing a lot here, um, which is, you know, we'll tie into our question for this week. Um, and I feel like since my wife and I moved into this house in 2018, this is by far the most snow that we've had. I don't think we really needed to shovel the past like two or three winters. So, um, so it, it's been fun. I'm glad that, you know, if it's going to snow, better that I don't have to go anywhere like I don't feel like I obviously like my office is still closed because of the pandemic so you know being at home there's a little less it's certainly less stressful um you know as we're recording this uh there's all kinds of stuff going on in Texas which I've been following obsessively because I can't imagine what those people are going through so it's been it's been quite the week yeah and the Texas thing has been very upsetting and especially because I know several people that live there and have been going through all these issues. It's just really sad. And I don't know. I'm just hoping that things work out for them uh, soon. Yeah. I'm, I'm hoping things uh, improve. I just, I can't imagine going through all the stuff that they're going through just with, like it's colder there than it is here and they don't even get this kind of cold um, right. all that often, you know? Yeah. I, I will tell you, it definitely sucks to lose your heat. Uh, it happened to Ben and I once for several days, but one thing is that's pretty awesome about Ben is he is from Michigan. So I felt, you know, very safe and prepared for mm-hmm. when we didn't have heat because we had like this huge sleeping bag and like we got out all of our like warm clothes and thermal underwear, which I feel like in Texas, people probably don't have that kind of stuff unless maybe they're like into camping. So I just feel really bad for these people. Yeah, me too. And and that's that's the other thing. Like even here, I would feel unprepared and we get winter every year. And so I can't imagine... Right. You know, yeah, it's it, it's just terrible. And, you know, I hope that anybody, any of our listeners who are down in Texas are, are doing okay and staying safe. Agreed. Yeah. So what have you been watching lately? Uh, so I've, I've been watching all kinds of stuff. Uh, I feel like I had a run of n- watching not great movies <laughs> in the past week for whatever reason. Um, yeah. But I wanted to call out a Netflix miniseries that I watched. Um, 
and unusually for me, I watched the whole thing in two days. Um, it also helps that the episodes are only a half an hour and there's only like seven of them. Um, but it's pretend it's a city. Um, it's directed by Martin Scorsese. Uh, it's basically a mini series, just kind of highlighting Fran Lebowitz. Um, she's a, uh, a writer, speaker, humorist. Um, and it's just sort of her reflecting on her experiences as being a New York, like a lifelong New Yorker or not lifelong, but, uh, her whole adult life. <laughs> New Yorker and how things have changed from when she moved there in like the seventies and the sixties to how New York is now. And, um, Scorsese is like, there's parts of it where he's interviewing her. There's parts where they're like walking around. Um, there's one segment where they're both visiting this gigantic map of New York that she's literally walking on, uh, the like Hudson river or the East river while, and like pointing out different buildings and things. Um, it's, it's just super charming. Um, there's also a bunch of like other interviews with her that they kind of splice together. And what I liked about it is it's not biographical really, you know, like she talks about her life and everything, but it, it's not like, Oh, it starts when, you know, I was born here and I grew up this way. And um, the episodes are sort of loosely arranged by topic. So one of them will be about you know music and one of them will be about books and one of them will be about, um, you know, like growing up or, you know, so it's kind of themed topical, which I think gives the episodes an interesting feel. And Fran Lee Woods is someone who I was certainly like vaguely aware of. Like I saw her picture, like before, you know, when I, when the um, miniseries popped up on Netflix, I was like, oh yeah, I know who that is, but I didn't know really a lot about her or okay. hadn't experienced a lot of her like firsthand. Um, but, you know, she's an older, uh, very funny um, a Jewish woman who is has a very like acerbic sense of humor, like very dry, very like, you know, she's like when I on the, like she talks about being on the subway and she's like, you know, you see people like, you used to see people um, like read newspapers. Like there's one whole segment where they talk about newspapers in New York and how like literally everywhere you went was covered in newspapers. Like the subway floor would have newspapers all over it. They'd be in the gutter. They'd be blowing around in the wind. They'd be stuck in trees. Like you would just see newsprint everywhere, like trash cans overflowing with newspapers. And now you don't see anybody read a newspaper really when you're walking around, you know? And she's like, what's interesting is I see people under the age of 40 reading physical books when I'm on the subway. And then I see people older than that reading things on their phones, you know? And she's like, not that I don't see young people on their phones, but usually if it's a person holding a actual physical book they are a younger person okay okay yeah that's interesting because yeah because I feel like when I moved to Philadelphia which at this point was a very long time ago there was a lot of these like free newspapers so like Metro City Paper Philly Weekly and so whenever you mm -hmm. would go on transit, you would see people reading them, but then also just the litter from it. Mm -hmm. And now that a lot of these free publications have gone away, you definitely don't see as much like newspaper littering the floor of transit. 
Um, so, so yeah, I, w- I would definitely recommend it. I mean, part of it is just it's nice to see Martin Scorsese sort of doing his thing. And there's a lot of times where she'll say something funny and he'll like laugh for like a full like half minute afterwards. Okay. Um, and I just find being around his personality, I find just really uplifting. Like he's, I don't know, for someone who seems to stir up Twitter for, you know, saying that uh, he likes cinema, he likes movies. Um <laughs> Like, he's just a very fun person to be around. And I feel like the miniseries sort of just kind of gives the feel of, like, sitting in and listening in on their conversations. That's cool. Yeah. And it is interesting, I think, to get a perspective of somebody who's lived in the city for a while. Yeah, yeah. There's there's a point where she's like, you know, she's talking about our generation. And they'll be like oh man like you were here in like the 70s when like new york was like real and whatever and she's like yeah i mean like there's she's very open that there's upsides and downsides to like new york was a lot more dangerous but also that kind of made it cool in a way um but she's like it's funny like you know when i was their age i wasn't going up to people and be like oh you were here in new york in the 30s like she's like this nostalgia for this time period of new york is like very interesting to her because she lived through it yeah No, that makes sense. And I feel you can say that about a lot of generations. You know, Mm -hmm. you look back on a time and you're like, oh, it was so much better then. Right. And for us, like, we we don't remember. Like, I don't remember, like, Times Square being full of, like, porno theaters and things. Like, I know that that was a thing that existed. But by the time I was, you know, ever there, it was pretty much like it is now. I'll be honest, like most of the time when I've gone to New York, it's been like, I want to get in and get out. And there's usually some sort of mission around why I'm going there, whether it's like a concert or a theatrical event and what have you. Uh, So I'm the same. I don't remember Times Square being anything but like this commercialized corporate grossness. Mm -hmm. Basically, I mm-hmm. I have driven through it and I find it to be hell. I I don't know. Like I I just feel like my trips to New York, like I said, have been mostly around like there's been a particular objective that that's the reason I'm going there. Because uh, I don't know. I, I I don't really get a lot of pleasure out of visiting the city. So I love visiting New York. Um you know, in under non-pandemic conditions, uh, we usually go up for either, a, you know, a day once or twice a year, or sometimes a long weekend. Um, and I just like I just like walking New York, especially Manhattan and Brooklyn. Um, you know, we've been to the Museum of the Moving Image a couple times out in Queens, which was really nice. Um, so I, I certainly like visiting New York, but you know, it's not somewhere I would want to live unless I was uh, excessively wealthy. Yeah. No, thank you. Um, but, <laughs> I would but not want to like live visiting. there. Yeah, I, I like visiting a lot. Um, not so much like for the touristy Times Square stuff, but again, just kind of like walking through the city and, um, you know, I enjoy visiting the Strand, which is a really great independent bookstore. Um, you know, we tend to go around Christmas time, especially when, you know, things are just kind of nice and cheerful. And, you know, from Philly, it's, it's easy to uh, drive up find a place to park that's not too expensive um you know 
power around for the day and then it only takes it's like it's like a two hour each way trip so it's not too bad if you want to make a day of it yeah it's definitely not bad to get up there uh i've driven i've taken transit but yeah it's just funny as i've gotten older i have found that i like don't want to travel to cities as much as i want to travel to like wilderness and just be in a quiet area with like a lake or something like that. Uh, when I was younger, I used to love going to different cities and I never really missed an opportunity where it would arise where it's like, oh, I can go to Boston or New York City or Chicago. Like I was always on board. But now that I'm older, I like things to be a bit more slow. <laughs> yeah, I, I like sort of a... Uh... You know, I don't want to say like every other strictly, but like I like to mix it up. So, you know, if I'm doing a city trip, then I, I would like my next trip to be more, you know, out in the country, out in the wilderness um, to kind of balance it out. It, 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 all, it all depends on why I'm going to the city and for how long and exactly, um, you know, and who with and all, all that kind of stuff. But, yeah. um, you know, I, I enjoy city travel mostly because city is where the culture is. So if I'm traveling for like a culture thing then I'll, I'll make the most of it. But um, I also do like to just get away. Yeah, no, that's true. Uh, yeah, so that sounds like a mini series that I would check out most definitely. Uh, and you said it's on Netflix. Yep, yeah, it's on Netflix. It came out a couple of weeks ago at this point, but okay. I've been meaning to get around to it. And then it was just, it was a nice, like, fun, relaxing watch. You know what I mean? It was something I could put on and just kind of chill out, which was nice. Cool. So as for me, I actually haven't gotten to watch many movies the past in the past week, unfortunately, due to working on the latest print issue of Movie John, which is hopefully going to start shipping out to subscribers in the next couple weeks or so. However, I did get to catch something at this year's virtual slam dance and my husband Ben is covering the festival so he'll be posting reviews over at moviejohn.com in the next couple of weeks but the movie I wanted to spotlight that I did get to watch was entitled Holy Frit and this is a documentary that centers around a stained glass company on the west coast and they managed to snag this rather large contract to create the largest stained glass window in history for this mega church that's located in Kansas. And I'll be honest, like going into this movie, I had very little interest. Uh, like the subject matter did not appeal to me in the slightest. And by the end of watching this doc, I felt rather enthralled by the subject. Um, it was neat to see how they created the actual artwork and they had to use like a completely different type of artistry to accomplish the particular look that the church was going for because they wanted it to almost look like a mosaic painting, but made mm. out of glass. And apparently I learned through the documentary, like it's very hard to like blend glass, like different colors of glass. And there was like all this science stuff behind it. 
which they do go through in the documentary. Uh, but they ended up having to call an artist by the name of Narcissus, who apparently is like, I think he was from Italy, but he like developed a process to essentially like make the glass blend together. And he was an older gentleman, like in his seventies. And so he ends up coming on board to help this small company create this huge window. And the only thing that was like bothersome to me in the documentary is that the main subject, Tim, he's the one that landed the contract for the company. He just gives off vibes like he's a total sleaze merchant like throughout the whole thing it's like a reality like tv person so like while watching it i ben my husband and i just kept kind of like looking at each other like really this guy like what is his deal uh but by the end of it like i will admit he does have talent like he is a great artist you know and he does come through and end up making this window for this church. And, you know, you have to kind of just get past like the hamming it up part that he does throughout the film. But during the Q&A afterwards, we did find out that his neighbor was actually the one that shot this documentary. So I think there was like, you know, a connection there. Like he probably felt very comfortable with this guy because he knew him. Um, but mm -hmm. also the film was made over like several years because this window took a very long time to make. So I think that's the other thing too, which is so interesting about documentaries. Like they probably just got so familiar with each other, you know, so it felt comfortable. Like when the camera was on, you just feel like a friend's there. Um, but all in all, like, the stained glass part, like them making it was pretty interesting, but I will say like mega churches, no, <laughs> like they spent like millions of dollars on this window. And the whole time I'm just thinking like they could have used that money to like feed people or, or do something else. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's one of those where, uh, there's certainly a better much better uses for that money but there's also i can also think of much worse church-based uses for that money so oh sure it, it's it's like being caught in the middle of like on the one hand it's like well you know they could be spending it on feeding people and, and doing you know that kind of stuff and on the other hand they could be spending it on really bad stuff so uh, right. maybe it's not so bad but i do love um i enjoy process movies and process documentaries just seeing something go from start to finish I think it's just to me always interesting to follow yeah and that's you definitely see the entire process here like you see the ups and the downs and like I said I knew nothing about stained glass like I didn't realize that it's a, a dying industry you know it's not like people are calling them up like oh I want to make my door with stained glass you know like there's really not a lot of work out th for them, work out there mm -hmm. for them. So getting a contract like this was a huge deal. Like the few stained glass companies that were out there, like everyone knew about it. Um, so that, that was kind of interesting. And 
you know, obviously, I don't know what will happen to the movie, but I could see it ending up on like a PBS or something like that. Because, uh, again, it, it was rather interesting and enjoyable, despite me, again, having like no interest when I went into it. So that's why I wanted to mention it. Yeah, and I know that documentaries aren't necessarily your go-to either, so uh, I'm always yeah, eager to really. hear when one... Um, I was just going to say, I I, I'm always, second. oh, um, I, I was going to say like, I know documentaries aren't your go-to, so I'm always uh, eager to hear when you do find one that catches your eye. Yeah. And Hey, you know, maybe it's because I don't watch a lot of them that when I do, I'm like, Ooh, this is interesting, you know, <laughs> but Ben tends to watch more of them than I do like that was actually something he commented on with Sundance like I didn't pick any documentaries to watch you know and that's something he will try to look for so like with Slamdance he's watched a couple and honestly their programming has been really interesting uh from the things that I did see but unfortunately like I've just been so busy with catching up writing reviews and working on the zine I just haven't been able to watch as many of the films so I'm looking forward to see what he picks as like these are the ones I want to spotlight from the festival yeah very cool yeah I've been following uh, Ben's tweets from Slamdance. I'm looking forward to his write-up for Movie John. Yeah. All right. So should we get to this week's question? Absolutely. Let's do it. Okay. Oh, and Ryan, this you'll have to cut out, but I keep hearing like a whoosh noise. Oh, sorry. I had I cracked the window because it's really oh. warm in, in this room. Uh, okay. I'll, I'll close it. Oh, okay. No, I didn't. I should be good for now. Okay. I didn't know if it was like your cat, like playing with something because it <laughs> no, sounded no, it's, like it's a ball. Oh, yeah. It, okay. It's like cars okay. driving by because this, this window's <laughs> okay. over the road. I didn't think there would be that many people out, so I wasn't worried about it. <laughs> no, it's okay. Yeah. It's weird because it's like still snowing, but whatever. Um, I'll... I'll, uh, I can silence them for the parts where I'm not talking at least. No, it's only happened like, I would say three times, but then I was like, I don't know what that is. Okay. So here's the question. Dear, I saw in a movie. I don't know about you, but we've been getting a lot of snow so far this winter. What are movies that make you want to go outside and enjoy a winter wonderland? Sincerely, Frosty. So, Ryan, you said you wanted to go first this time because you had an amazing pick. Well, I don't know if I, I don't know if I would call it amazing, but you were <laughs> uh, teasing that your pick was secret. So, I wanted to, I wanted to preserve yes. my own. I wanted to maximize my own suspense. Um, yeah this this question, I thought when I first read it, I was like, "Oh, this is going to be easy." I'm sure there's so many. And then the more I thought about it, the less certain I was because uh, there uh, many of the ones that I was thinking of were actually more in the horror genre and were like not encouraging to go outside in the snow because terrible things happen. Like I thought of The Shining, and I was like, "Well, Jack Nicholson right. just freeze to death." Um, <laughs> 
and like the thing and i was like these are not fun snow day movies like these are i mean i would watch them if i was in the mood but this person was asking for like you know encouragement to go out and enjoy the snow not necessarily be inside and and feel scared (laughs) yeah i i definitely felt in the same boat because i read the question and i was like Usually when I when I read the question from a listener, a film comes to me instantly. Like I'm like, yep, that's what I'm going to talk about. But this one, not so much, but I didn't think I would have the amount of trouble that I did. Because to your point, like I kind of just kept going back to the horror. Yeah. And even stuff like, <clears throat> like the Hateful Eight, like they're inside at a cabin, like there's not really, you know, some cool outside stuff. And I briefly thought about picking one of the many James Bond movies that has uh, a skiing, uh, like action sequence. Because <laughs> yes. um, I, I do love those and they are super fun. Um, you know, and I thought about Frozen and I was like, well, I recently picked Fantasia for an episode. So I don't want to like, you know, I, I don't want to fall into a pattern. Yeah. So, But we all, we all know you're wearing mouse ears. Like right now. <laughs> Always. Um, yes you like always are wearing them and so uh after thinking about it for a little while i settled on uh little women uh specifically the 1994 uh, adaptation by jillian armstrong uh so this is the version that has winona Ryder and claire danes and kirsten dunce and samantha mathis and susan sarandon plays uh marmy and this is not a movie i grew up with um it's a movie that i watched uh a few years ago or actually like two years ago in preparation for the greta gerwig adaptation that came out which is now like two years ago i think which is crazy um and i instantly fell in love with this movie part of it is because so much of it does take place in like snowy new england winter there's a lot of snow on the ground there's a lot of, you know, them going out and just having fun in the snow and that sense of, you know, I feel like, um, you know, a snow day was one of the times where you would like play with kids in the neighborhood or your siblings and you would go out and it, it would just, everything would feel different, even though you were in the same space. And I think there's something in this movie that captures that feeling where, you know, now, yes, of course, um, Amy does fall through the ice while she's ice skating which is a thing that can happen (laughs) but (laughs) i felt like it it didn't quite cross over into being horror because she gets rescued uh by her older sister and laurie and so everything's fine everything turns out great um but just the amount of snow in this movie the amount of snowy scenes the feeling of like that sort of quiet new england because you know this takes place in an older time and things are just quiet in general but there's that that snow quiet. And I feel like that is actually present in uh, a couple of different scenes in this movie. Yeah. So I still have not seen any of the little women, despite the fact, no, my intentions were good. Okay. I actually purchased like all the versions. Cause we have like a VHS copy of the original I don't mm-hmm. remember offhand the year that came out, but then we do have the 90s version. And I don't think we purchased the Gerwig one, 
but we almost went to see it in the theater and then something stopped us. And then it just kind of like became this thing where it's like, I have too many other things to watch that I haven't, you know, made it to that part of my watch pile. Uh, Mm -hmm. But so many people love the 90s one. Like so many of my friends, like they talk about that they watched it when they were young, like repetitively. Yeah, I mean, that that's how my wife is with this version specifically. It's one of the movies that she and her mom used to watch a lot, uh, okay. especially. And I think I think what's cool, in part what's cool about it is, uh, like, I really just felt like I was part of this family for the times I was watching the film. Um, like, it just, it just sets you in, it, like, the way that it's told and just the feeling that everything evokes. Like, it just really makes you feel like, you again you're like on this journey with this family you know just as they kind of go through their lives and it being obviously like you know very female oriented and very female focused but uh in this version uh christian bale plays laurie who is like the friend slash one of the love interests and uh he he's just he's really great in the role uh as being sort of both you know he's he's the boy um and he like, you know, is able to tease them a little bit, but he's, he's also like one of the gang, like they put on plays and things, um, in their house, which is a key part of like them growing up, like is, you know, uh, Joe becomes a writer, but they tell, they tell each other stories by acting them out. And he kind of joins their like theater company basically. Um, so they can have more male characters. <laughs> um, and I don't know, there's something about that aspect of play that I feel like you know, as an adult, like we rarely play, you know, it, the closest I get to playing is like board games with people. Well, um, yeah, I, <laughs> it's funny you mention this because, you know, I, I do go to therapy and one of my first, like, she likes to give me assignments or like things to try and do. And one of the first things she did was she asked me to just play like a child, like do something in which like has no purpose. Like you're just doing it strictly for fun. And I'm going to tell you, I could not do it. (laughs) I like didn't know how to do something without having an objective because as a child, I never really did that sort of thing. And like, I still don't. And it's really hard for me to just play oh, I'm just going to draw this, you know, caricature, but it's not going to mean anything. I'm just going to draw it and then toss it. Like, I cannot do that. It's it's very difficult for me to play. So I think that's interesting that you bring that up. Yeah, and, and I think I think that's one of the things I really, that really endeared me to the movie. It's because I feel like, you know, Little Women is a story... I would say for all ages, it's not necessarily like for kids or for adults. Like, I feel like it's one of those stories that tries to, that kind of like can speak to everybody at any age. Um, So I feel like in that kind of story, it's rare to see that emphasis put on sort of like playtime. And again, a lot of it in this story is like, they're again, like they're acting out plays, they're putting on like costumes from the old clothes that they have in the house and things. Um, and that just, you know, it adds to that sense of fun. And I feel like, 
you know, again, like as adults, it's like everything I do pretty much has some kind of purpose or like even if the purpose is just to like rest. But I feel like there's so many times where I'm not it's it's not even that I'm not doing things for a purpose, but I'm also like not actively using my imagination as much as when I was a kid. Right. Yeah. Um, and so I, I I think you would enjoy, like, like I said, especially this version. I, I like Greta's version, um, but this is the one that, like, speaks to me, I feel like, more. Yeah, and it's funny. I've heard that from a lot of people, you know, and I guess, you know, maybe I should try watching Greta's first and then watching the other one and see, like, what I think. Since I'm not like, not that I want to say tainted, but just like I haven't experienced the 90s version. So, but I know how that feels. You know, actually today, you know, you just posted um, my Blythe Spirit review. And I feel like a lot of people are being harsh on this movie that just came out because they are like relating it to the older versions. Mm -hmm. And it's like, yeah, but it's just a new take on it. Like, it's not replacing it, you know, it's just something different. But people have a hard time, like, dealing with that. Yeah, I, I try to think of remakes as sort of a, uh, like a, like a revival of a play. Like, oh, hmm. here's a new company of people putting on this show. Um, and, like, I think with Little Women, um, I would say... And I know that people have lamblasted other people online for this, but I do think like the first time I saw it, I was caught off guard because the story takes place over mainly like two different time periods. And the Jillian Armstrong version from the 90s tells it in time order. So you start with them as, as younger girls and then they grow up and there's like two halves to the movie. There's like a time jump kind of thing. And in Greta's okay. version, she jumps back and forth between two both time periods um which like is interesting and it draws out some parallels and stuff and is really cool but personally i feel like if it was if it was my ex first exposure to the story i would have found it confusing right yeah and i i honestly now that you're bringing this up i remember you saying that to me like if you wouldn't have seen the other one you would have been somewhat lost mm-hmm and I would have, I'm sure I would have figured it out eventually, but it would right. have, yeah, it, it, it certainly would have changed my experience with the movie. And I feel like mm -hmm. the main, the, the main reason I prefer the nineties version, I think is it feels very, it feels because you spend so much time with them as kids at the beginning, it feels cozy because you're spending, you're in there in like the family house, which is like a super cool, um, like set and like the design of the house and everything is really fun. And I feel right. like it, it gives me that cozy feeling in the way that while again, I like the Greta Gerwig version, it just, it doesn't quite feel the same way to me. That's all. And Hey, you know, I just want to go back a second and say like, I understand people when they get upset about the remakes because there is part of me that is fearing the day that they remake back to the future, you know, like I think that movie's great and I don't want to see it redone. I will watch it though, but the only <laughs> way that it's going to be like 
complete to me is if I feel like Tom Holland plays the Marty McFly character and Michael Shannon plays Christopher Lloyd's character. Like then I'll be excited. (laughs) I'll be excited. Um, From what I understand, uh, at the very least, Bob Gale is going to hold on and not let them remake it at least until so it'll be he'll have passed away before they remake it so tom holland might be old enough to play christopher lloyd at that point (laughs) well this makes total (laughs) sense because when benjamin and i went to a live show that crispin glover put on he like talked about essentially like how neurotic bob gale is and just like yeah, he like re-releases Back to the Future like every few years. But like ref- he ha- like hasn't done anything else. Like he just is living off of the Back to the Future. So. And on the one hand, I kind of don't blame him. <laughs> um, <laughs> because I would love to not have to do anything. Like I would love to have that freedom that... Uh, a success like Back to the Future can afford you to be really be able to just not have to do anything. Um, but I I think the weirdest part about remaking Back to the Future for me is that I would always want them to go back to the 1950s. Yes. Uh, but like, it's only a 30 year difference. So like if, if they had remade Back to the Future this year, the characters would be traveling back to like, uh 1991 yeah and that just feels wrong or the 80s but that's well right it depends on how old you make make the parents um because he's going from 85 to 55 so this would be from 2021 to 1991 so like his parents would be like really into nirvana yes actually (laughs) i'm like i want I mean, but I want like the Mr. Sandman on the soundtrack and everything. No, no, I want the grunge and the flannel. <laughs> so, all right. Well, I I do I think your choice for the listener is respectable. Like I appreciate I appreciate that. I uh, think what, it what, actually Sorry. I I was just going to say I think it actually is going to be greater than mine, but that's just from like a class standpoint. Like your film is classy <laughs> and see. mine is trash, but that's okay. Well, I'm very anxious to hear your pick. So please, please share your process. All right. So yeah, I'm glad you said the word process because there was a process to trying to figure out which movie I wanted to select. And I take this very seriously. <laughs> Like I, I fret about, I don't want to give somebody like a bad choice, you know, like Mm -hmm. I don't want to, I don't want to be like, oh, watch this movie. And then they're like, oh, damn that Rosalie. So, um, you know, obviously reading the question, I'm sure you had the same thought. I immediately thought of white Christmas, but I felt that was Mm -hmm. way too obvious of an answer. And I love that movie despite some of the problematic scenes in it, uh, I still crack up when they are singing about washing their hands and hair in snow. 
I do. I I absolutely I love that movie. I love that song. And I was immediately like, okay, I'm not picking Christmas because right. Like I can't pick any Christmas movie. I had to like rate them all off. So Exactly. I you know, I I feel like Christmas would seem like an obvious but also lazy answer. Like I wanted to dig a little deeper. So I went on the internet and the first thing that came up was Snow Day from 2000 and I don't know mm-hmm. have you seen that so I have seen snow day I did also consider it uh but I have I have not seen snow day since I saw it in the theater uh in 2000 so sames sames I saw it in the theater in 2000 and I will say though just looking at the poster I didn't realize like the cast consisted of Chris Elliott Gene Smart Iggy Pop, mm-hmm. Mark Webber, Pam Greer, and Chevy Chase. Like, what the heck was this movie? Like, I don't remember those people being in it, but I do remember going to the movie theater and seeing it as a teenager. But like, what is that cast? Yeah, I mean, I I remember really enjoying it because um, I would have been, yeah, I would have been like 14 when it came out. And I, our family w- went to the theater to see it. I remember like really having a good time, but it, it's one of those movies that I would actually be afraid to revisit because I feel like even my vague memory of it is probably better than the movie deserves necessarily. Um, right. Like I'm looking at the poster right now and it has Chevy Chase and Chris Elliott buried up to their necks in the snow and a kid like posing triumphantly <laughs> over them. And I'm like, yeah, I, like, I don't think I can go back to that place of watching that movie and just, like, you know, the, looking at the director's other credits, like, they're mostly known for all kinds of television sitcoms. And, again, I'm sure it's fine. And if it had been, like, streaming somewhere, I might have I might have put it on. But I was like, I don't know. I think I can do better. So. Yeah. And just if somebody does want to check it out, it basically is about – a school in upstate New York, they get snowed in, and then this group of kids steal a snowplow and like they just try to keep the school closed. Uh, but yeah, I remember enjoying it. But to your point, well, when I saw it, I was 16. So, and I hadn't watched a lot of movies at that point. So I probably was like, oh, this is great because I'm in a theater. And mm-hmm. I'm eating popcorn. Exactly. And and again, I'm sure on that level, it holds up. I just don't know that I personally could have gotten to that place right now. Agreed. Yeah. So that was a no as a choice. And then I obviously could not go with, like, this also came up in my search, 30 Days of Night. And despite having Josh Hartnett in, who I quite enjoy... And it being a vampire flick, it is laughably bad. Like, this movie (laughs) is embarrassing. Like, so Ben and I, which I know he actually mentioned this on a split decision recently, Mm -hmm. in which, like, I scolded him in the theater for laughing while we were watching this movie because people were getting upset in the theater. People that we're watching this movie, I guess, really taking it very seriously. But essentially, it's like set in Alaska. And 
there's like a time of year where there's 30 days of night and everyone like leaves the town, but some people like stayed behind and well, that was a mistake because these like vampires come. And the scene that he particularly just like lost his shit was one of the vampires goes into the homes and puts like a record on and it starts like spinning on the record player and then he uses his long nail like as the needle and the sound comes out of his mouth and Ben was just like no that's amazing yeah so we actually own this movie because we purchased it at a yard sale for like a quarter and it's a blu-ray like that's the value someone put on this movie they probably bought it watched it and were like no because it's seriously embarrassing so and it's all like again there's like snowy landscape like the whole thing is snow but and there's a lot of like blood in the snow but no i could not select that so, I did think about that. I did think about that movie as well because I have not seen it and I've always kind of meant to see it. And I was yeah. like, no, because again, like I was trying to stay away from the horror stuff because there's, there's a ton of, I mean, there are a ton of snowy wintry. horror flicks. Yeah. yeah, wintry horror. It's a whole genre. Uh, so then I stumbled upon this 2014 flick, Winter's Tale. And I know you have seen this, so you can feel free to chime in as I just talk about this. Uh, But the IMDb synopsis of this thing says, it's a burglar falls for an heiress as she dies in his arms. When he learns that he has the gift of reincarnation, he sets out to save her. Now, this movie, like when I saw the poster saw the cast listing i was like whoa like how did i never hear of this thing because it stars colin farrell russell crowe william hurt jennifer conley and will smith and i was just like what the heck like i never heard of this and then i saw the guy who wrote and directed it akiva goldsman wrote a beautiful mind i robot cinderella man but most importantly, he wrote Batman Forever and Batman and Robin, which I'm going to get to why this is important. But I will say, like, based on the cast and the title, I was just like, this is the perfect Snow Day movie. Like, I think I texted you. I was so excited because I was like, <laughs> Winter's Tale. It sounds like a fairy tale. And like, I'm going to be under my Sherpa robe and I'm going to have a hot chocolate and it's a snow day and Colin Farrell like romping in the snow. I'm like, this is perfect. And I was so excited when I texted you about it. Well, I yeah, watched and this I was thing. Like... Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, no. You go first. Oh, I was going to say, uh, and I was very excited for you to watch it because uh, I was, I'm just so curious to hear your thoughts because this movie is like wild, capital W, double underline, wild. Yeah, my letterbox review ended up just being wow, wow, wow. Like, 
that was it. Because holy hell, like, what is this movie? And, like, I understand now, like, you texted me back that it was stunningly bad. Mm -hmm. And, like, that should be the poster quote because it's just really bad. But it looks kind of great. But I could just, like, as I was watching the movie, I could just see, like, the ash from, like, all the money that was, like, burned up (laughs) as they were making it. And... I feel the IMDb is like really misleading because it makes it seem like it's this fairy tale, but, and I need to know like what your thought is on this, but I really felt it was like a Titanic story. Like, and I'm talking about the James Cameron Titanic Mm -hmm. mixed with like a Batman angle. Yeah. I mean, so, so let me, where to start? Uh, So, (laughs) One, it's based on a novel, and I 100% believe that this would work better as a book because I think, and I think it's an older novel. Like it wasn't like it wasn't like the book came out in like 2010, and then 2014 the movie version came out. Like I think it's like a 60s, 70s novel. Um, and I will I will agree with you that from what I remember, and I did rewatch the trailer for this movie just to refresh myself a little bit. Um. It does look good. It was the cinematographer was Caleb Deschanel, and he is a great cinematographer. So I would agree that the look of the movie is probably the most successful thing. Agreed. And it, it, the fairy tale thing, I don't want to dismiss entirely because, on the one hand, I can I understand why that's being applied to this, and I can see where they're going for it because it's a love story, and there are magical elements to the story. But the problem is, oh, there's a bunch of problems. One, uh, I feel like the movie doesn't ever, there's so much of this movie that like, it just doesn't explain anything that's going on. Um, And like, there's so much that is based on coincidence, like even more than like Titanic. Um, There's like, and then. I feel like the performances I can't even evaluate fairly because the every single accent in this movie is so terrible and so bizarre that it distracts <laughs> from whatever yes. is going on with their performance. Well, and let's just really discuss this Batman element. Like, okay. clearly this guy, the writer-director, like, loved Batman. Like, he wrote two Batman scripts before. But, like, Colin's story is basically the penguin like the parents dump (laughs) him in a boat he floats to new york city which we all know is basically gotham then he's found by a villainous man the joker who's russell crowe who like you said the accent that russell crowe is doing i have no idea what that is like I i don't know where he is from but then there's like this whole thing where they're like battling out for control of Gotham and a redheaded girl who's like basically rose from Titanic. And there's an entire battle scene with icebergs. Like breaking. It's just madness. <laughs> this whole thing is weird. So like I was not able to pick Winter's Tale is my recommendation, which really put me in a spot because this was like last night, and I'm like, what am I gonna pick? Uh, I will say 
The the only other thing besides the look in Winter's Tale that I do genuinely enjoy is Will Smith's one scene performance as the devil. Oh my god. <laughs> like I don't even know. And he's like in the sewers of Gotham. Yep. And then his there's bad CGI on his face. Yeah. The whole thing is just upsetting, but there is quite a number of like wintry scenes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But some of it is more like just a dusting of snow. Like it's not like I don't know. It's not like several feet of snow. It's like a half an inch. <laughs> but it's snow. You know, like I don't know. And there's a horse that they that is named horse. Yeah. Literally. And is like magical. Like just shows up whenever it needs to show up. And it's apparently actually a dog in a horse. Oh, right. Yes. And isn't Colin, is Colin Farrell an animal in that movie also? I don't think so. Okay. But I he haven't, does... I haven't seen or thought about this movie much since I saw it in the theater in 2014. So I didn't get that he was an animal, but he does kill a lady from sleeping with her. Okay. But that's also because there's Close like enough. poison and stuff. Right. But like... Of course. <laughs> but yeah the thing is a mess it's really wild and i mean i'm probably making it seem more entertaining than it is because it's like two hours like it's a commitment i would not recommend yeah that was right that was one thing i wanted to ask you is because i feel like i went in at the time i don't want to say my expectations were high but again like you i was like okay akiva goldsman i've learned my lesson now but you know he's written <laughs> like he has an oscar for screenplay you know yes and like the the look of it looks pretty good. It's got a good cast. I wanted to ask you if it was entertainingly bad, at least, or if it was really just, like, boring bad. Honestly, in the middle for me. Okay. Like, there were definitely moments where I was like, hee hee, ha ha. But then there were other moments where I was like, kill me now. <laughs> I need to end my life. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I just don't know what this movie is or or how it got made but it did. i don't even know what that movie is trying to do that's no. the thing like no. often with a bad movie i'm like okay i see what you were going for and it didn't work out this is one where i'm like i don't understand right. any of the uh, any of the decisions that that were made here yeah so you know after peeping that i was just like well there's nothing left but horror and winter is horror. I'm sorry, listener, but I am not a fan of winter. So I did end up going the horror route. And I'm going with a selection from 1983 entitled Curtains. And you can actually watch this on YouTube, and it's a pretty decent print, but you didn't hear it from me. But Curtains tells the story of these six actresses that are auditioning for a movie role. And they're all invited to this remote mansion by the director who goes by the name Stryker. And during their stay, they're killed off like one by one by this mysterious masked murderer. And it's all set in like a wintry landscape. And it's just a lot of fun to watch uh but i recently caught this movie so it's still like fresh in my mind and some of the in imagery is not only 
haunting, but it's also like things I've never seen before in a film. Um, the mask that the killer wears, I don't want to ruin it for you or the listener with too much description, but it's something that you just really need to behold. Like, And apparently, like this movie was a very like indie budget type flick, but apparently like they sell this mask. Like you can buy it from like, you know, a Halloween store online. Uh, but I really think, you know, you need to watch it just to see the mask. But I do have some other reasons to watch this flick. If you don't mind, I'd like to share. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> real quick, I just wanted to share that uh, I actually recently added this movie to my watch list on Letterboxd because I was listening to uh, Colors in the Dark, which is okay. a Pandora, uh, Pangoria podcast. Uh, Colors of the Dark, rather. Um, Yeah, so it's Colors of the Dark. Uh, It's hosted by um, uh, Elric and uh, uh, Rebecca McKendry. Um, And they did a whole episode on Snowbound Horror, and this is one of their recommendations. And it sounded wild and like I must watch. So um, I'm very eager to hear your thoughts as well. Yeah, so... I stumbled upon it. That's pretty cool. You know, I'm always with the trends, Ryan. But <laughs> you are known the reason- for being trendy. <laughs> but here are the reasons why you need to watch this movie uh, and why it's a fun snow movie or snow horror. Uh, the character Monty is played by Maury Chaikin, which I'm not sure if you're familiar with Nero Wolf, but it's a really cool TV detective like series and it's based on a long running detective book series and he's in this movie and I don't often see him in things. So I loved that he just like popped up as this random character. I think he played like a producer, but he was really fun. Second, it is a doll movie. There is a creepy doll involved with some of the murder and you know I'm always a fan when a doll shows up and then as for the character Stryker which as I mentioned he plays the director or fictional director in this movie he is like constantly draped in velvet which I really like like full velvet like suits Mm -hmm. and He also, and not to spoil it, but I'm spoiling, he has one of the most insane murders I have ever witnessed in my life. Like, he bounces out of a window and somehow, like, bounces back into another window. And, like, I don't know how that was done logically, but I liked it. And I'm not questioning it. Like, no, I, I don't think, think you should. <laughs> I thought it was magnificent. Four, I just want to remind you, the mask. Like, I have not seen a mask like this. It, it's bizarre. I actually wish I would have taken the time to see if they, like, created this mask, like, for this movie, or they just, like, so happened to find it and, you know, used it. Which, in indie indie movies they probably just found it somewhere and they're like oh this Mm -hmm. mask looks weird like i I don't know 
They probably didn't create it, but it's definitely a strange mask. But lastly, oh, sorry, this is number five. There is a murder scene that takes place on ice and the murderer is ice skating. And again, this is unlike anything I've ever seen, like an ice skating murder. And there's like a boom box and like tunes are playing. And it got me really thinking about like winter horror. And I was like, oh my gosh, if I ever had the opportunity to like remake like a Friday the 13th Jason Voorhees movie, I'm setting it in a winter snowscape. Like I was like imagining Jason like ice skating. Like that would be so cool, like with his machete, you know, like picture it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it uh, on that podcast episode I mentioned, uh, they yeah. talked about that there was a, you know, the rights of Friday the 13th are all kind of scrambled, but for a while there were a bunch of spec scripts about a wintertime Friday the 13th movie. Really? Uh, That's yes, so cool. and I would kill to see that. I would kill to see that. Well, I have to give a shout out to Hunter Bush and Ashley Jane Davis because we were watching a snowbound horror at one point and they were like, Rosalie, make a wintry horror picture. And I was like, no, never, not doing it. Because it just seems like logistically a lot of things could go wrong. Like you're dealing with Mm -hmm. cold snow. But now I have this idea and I'm all on board, but they're playing teens. Like, do you ever notice in those types of movies, like the teens are always like 30 plus years old? Right. Like Riverdale. (laughs) Well, Riverdale, I'm not going to go down this road, Ryan, (laughs) but they have time jumped now. So the actors are now playing their age. Well, that's good. Yeah. But I'm not going to go down I do know that that from reading your, your recaps. Yeah. So they're all like playing their age now. And there was a steamy shower scene last week, but I'm not going to get into that. (laughs) You have to watch yourself. But lastly, this is the last thing of why you should watch curtains. There are, are a lot of mannequins in this movie and they are terrifying. Like, I don't know what it is about mannequins, but they actually do scare me. Like, even though I kind of want one, but like their eyes always look dead to me. Mannequins yeah, are, I, are frightening. I, I don't like mannequins either. Um, uh, I, in the, uh, what's it? The, the lady ghostbusters movie. There's a scene yes. where uh, one of the, where one of them goes into a room full of mannequins. She's like, "No, I'm not doing that." <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, mannequins are just—they're weird, and and they—I feel like when they look at you, they can see into your soul. You know, and actually, that mm-hmm. was on a recent episode of Sabrina. I watched Chilling Adventures where there was a guy like putting people inside mannequins. And then he was like feeding them through the mannequin. It was weird. So that also has just added another twist there to why they're frightening. But anyway, I feel that this movie curtains from 1983, it, it would be a fun day. You know, if you watch this while it was snowing 
And honestly, like, I, I have to say, the fact that the actual director decided to remove their name from the final cut and instead replaced his name with Jonathan Stryker, that adds to it for me. <laughs> like, you know, he was just so pleased with the outcome of the film that he gave the fictional director credit. I like that, but... I like that as well. It sounds great. Yeah, so sorry that I went the horror route, but I just, I really struggled with this one. It was a hard question. It was a hard question, um, but I think I think there, there's a lot of horror out there. Um, you know, we also didn't talk about winter sports movies, which is a whole... A whole nother oh, yeah. angle that we could have gone down. Um, I know that you've picked Eddie the Eagle before. Um, yes. So I, I did. Con- I briefly considered picking The Mighty Ducks because there's a lot of snow in that movie. But see, I haven't watched that in a number of years, so I really don't remember my feeling on it. Uh, that's one i watched so many times i have it committed to memory basically <laughs> as okay. a kid i loved that movie um you know so so there's definitely stuff out there i do enjoy watching horror movies in the snow i did recently revisit the shining because i have the 4k blu-ray and honestly one i obviously found it very relatable because quarantine but also i found it kind of cozy i was like it would be fun to live in a big hotel right now instead of my house like <laughs> I could, I could, just, I could handle this, and then just go bat shut, right? Because the ghosts. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. The hotel is intriguing. I will give it that, but I wouldn't want to live with those ghosts. They're they're scary. Yeah, those are scary ghosts. I would like to drive the uh, snowcat though. That would be fun. Oh, that doesn't interest me. The snow cat. <laughs> it doesn't interest me. All right. Well, I guess we should sign off. Uh, but don't forget, you can find a breakdown of the episodes on moviejohn.com, where you can also subscribe to our quarterly print movie zine. And our first issue of 2021 will celebrate and feature the use of color in film. Don't let the gray days of winter get you down. Get lost in the brilliant hues of Movie John's winter issue. And that is available for pre-order at moviejohn.com shop. You can follow us on social media. We are on Twitter at I Saw It In A Movie. And if you're seeking advice, send us your questions to dearisawitinamovie at gmail.com. And for those who enjoy postal mail, you can write us a letter at P.O. Box 20172, Philadelphia, PA, 19145, attention, Movie John, and that's J-A-W-N. And Ryan, where can people find you? Sure. Uh, you can find me on Twitter and Letterboxd at Silver Whatever. That's with a B. Uh, and you can find my writing uh, on MovieJohn.com as well. Great. And you can find me on Instagram at the.oldsport or Twitter at bonjouroldsport. And check out my other podcast, Cinematic Crypt, in which I go six feet under to uncover films of Hollywood's past. And also, I started a new podcast with my film pal and best friend forever, Katie McBrown, called Best Friends Forever Pod. 
And we invite you to join us at our slumber party and gab about a flick that features our favorite heartthrob. Both of these shows are available wherever you catch pods or you can download at moviejohn.com. And uh, uh, real quick, I will say that the uh, commercial that you placed at the end of the first uh, BFF pod uh, took me back quite a number of years. And I, because I, yes. it was one of the things I had not thought about in forever. And then, like, hearing the commercial, I was like, I can almost picture the commercial <laughs> in my head. Well, for listeners that haven't checked out the BFF pod yet, you definitely should. Uh, but each episode, we are going to end with essentially like an unofficial sponsor to the show. And it's going to be an advertisement from like the 80s or the 90s of some sort of game or toy or whatever thing that was popular from when we were young. And the first commercial was for Dream Phone, which I still like remember that board game like popping out at parties and like the phone was like so large but probably now like if i held it it wouldn't be as big because i have monster hands but like when i was a child it felt like huge i was like this phone is large but that's kind of how like cordless phones were then that's true i I remember them being being really big yeah yeah like the zach morris phone (laughs) That was huge. I've, I I do know that reference, but I've never seen an episode of Saved by the Bell. Wow, wow! You learn yeah. something every day. So, <laughs> do you have a piece of advice today? I do. Um, so, in Little Women, at one point, uh, it it is snowing out. Uh, Meg, who is the eldest sister, um. She twists her ankle and uh, their male companion puts snow on her ankle to stop the swelling. So that is, that's a real life tip for you right from the movies. Oh, there you go. Well, I had, again, a little bit of trouble finding some sort of advice like dealing with snow. But I will leave the listener with... um, advice from the trailer of curtains and the trailer says behind every curtain someone is waiting someone is watching someone is hiding so just beware of what is behind curtains and it may be a dreadful winter storm or a mass killer who knows moi or both or both. Maybe there's a killer in the st- like out in the storm coming to get you. So lock your doors. And that is all. That's all I have. So until right. next time, remember, for every question, there's a movie with the answer. Goodbye. Bye-bye.